Let's pray for the Word tonight. Father, tonight I thank You for Your Word, and I thank You that what You want to say to us tonight is true, because Your Word is always true. I pray for a spirit of revelation. Holy Spirit, You wrote the Bible. You're the one who can explain it. You're the one who can bring revelation to us. And I ask You, Holy Spirit, to teach Your Word tonight. Lord, as I speak, my prayer is that you let people hear what you say. I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you for its relevancy in our time, in our lives. Father, we thank you. We honor you tonight for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we talk about world events and all those things that are going on, it's important, maybe now more than ever, maybe other, probably other times as dangerous as this, that Christians know who they are in Christ. you got to know who you are. Unfortunately, most Christians are ignorant of their identity in Christ because it's based on religion. It's based on what man has said, and they're ignorant about it. And I can tell that by what they say about themselves. You can listen to somebody for a little bit, and what they say about themselves will tell you how they identify. Right? They call themselves by their circumstances rather than what God said about them. They identify by uh, what others have called them rather than what God called them. And so they identify a different way. They say, even, even people in church, I hate to say this, they identify with the wrong thing. You know, they're, they're, oh, I heard a preacher pray one time, and he was just like, oh, God, we're just such sinners. We're just so unworthy. This was at a preacher's thing. We were getting ready to do a, a citywide church gathering in Dumas, Texas one time, and the guy was praying this kind of prayer. We're so unworthy. We just are so filthy. We're Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And he was talking about all this stuff. And in my mind, I thought, is the guy actually saved or not? Because if you understand who you are in Christ, you're not a sinner anymore. You may have symptoms of sin, but that doesn't mean you're a sinner. You were born again, and now you're a saint according to the Word of God. I mean, you know, this. I think that I mean, I've heard people pray this way. Oh, Lord, we are but dust in your sight. And I think of the story of the little girl who the preacher said, we are but dust in your sight. And the, she, the little girl said, Daddy, what is but dust? <laughs> and we have to know that is not what the Bible calls us. The Bible never says that you're butt dust. It doesn't say that you're unworthy. It, it, one time the centurion said to Jesus, I am, I'm unworthy that you should come to my house. Jesus never said, you're right. He took care of the situation, but he never told him he was right. The scripture does not call us unworthy. If we were unworthy, why would the Father send the Son, and that the price of our salvation, our very redemption, be the Son's blood, which is the most valuable commodity in the universe, apparently. And He was willing to go to market. Redemption means that. Go to market, pay for you and me with the blood of Jesus. That says we were worth something. We were worth the blood of Jesus. He was willing to pay that price for you and for me. And that's what we need to think about. We have this... We have this sin consciousness that the devil is trying to keep us down with and we need to have righteousness consciousness 
The Bible says that we have been made to be the righteousness of God in Him. We are made righteous because He was made sin for us. We need to think that way. If you ever call yourself stupid, you just said the Word of God isn't true. You ever said to yourself, I am so stupid. No, you're not. The Bible never calls you that. Never identifies you that way. You know, and then, then the big religious one, oh, I'm just this old sinner saved by grace. You're either an old sinner or you're saved by grace. You can't be both. You were an old sinner, but you're not. Well, I never was an old sinner. I was a young sinner when I got saved. But, and I was saved by grace through faith because I heard about Jesus. But that's not who I am. See, our identity has to be based on what God says about us. What does he say? He says we're righteous. In fact, we are the righteousness of God, the scripture says. The Bible says that we're the healed, the delivered. It says we're the blessed. We're the covenant partners. I mean, that's who we should be thinking about. We need to be thinking about our righteousness that was purchased by the blood of Jesus. If we would think of ourselves as righteous, guess how we would act? Righteously. If we focused on what righteousness does, what righteousness is, and how it responds, we would not respond and act like sinners. It is no wonder kids grow up in school today acting like animals because they've been taught that's where they're from. They've been taught. They've taken God out of the school, and apart from Him, there is no knowledge. And they've been taught they're animals. They're just they're nothing more than animals, and so that's what they act like. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. We need to know who we are in Christ. As long as we agree with the terms of our circumstances, we're obligated to stay there. We, we have to understand, once we realize that our covenant right as a believer in Jesus Christ, what it is, and begin to demand God's plan, not demand Him to do something, but demand the circumstances lined up with what God said, then we can turn things around. That's what needs to happen in our nation. That's what needs to happen in our churches. One time they came to John the Baptist. The Pharisees did. This is in John chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Then they say to him, Who art thou? They said, Who are you? Who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? What do you say about yourself, John? Who are you? What do you say? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah, they said, who are you? His answer was scripture. Who are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Who are you? I, I have the blessing of Abraham because he became a curse for me that I might have the blessing of Abraham. When the devil, when society asks you the question, we need to know what the Bible says and quote that to them. That's what John did. He said that right away. He said, we can change our circumstances by standing on the Word of God. What does the Word say about me? What does the Word say about you? Listen, the only way we're going to know who we really are is to discover it in the Word of God. I heard the story about a small town in the United States. There was a rather sizable factory that only hired married men. That's all they would hire. A local woman called. She was irritated. That's what they said. She says, why is it you limit your employees to married men? Is it because you think women are weak, dumb, cantankerous, or what? He said, well, not at all, ma'am. He said, it's because our employees are used to obeying orders. 
accustomed to being shoved around, know how to keep their mouths shut, and you don't pout when I yell at them. We need to know who we are. Know what we're supposed to do. Not based on what somebody else has said. So the devil can't push us around anymore. Know who we are. Now I want to read you this passage of Scripture. We read this the last time we were together, which amazingly was three weeks ago. It seemed like it was two months ago, but it was three weeks ago. Here's what, here's what, here's what the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning of verse 13. This is obviously the Holy Spirit, not just the Apostle. He said, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I have believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. And that's a, an interesting passage of Scripture, isn't it? He said, The spirit of faith is believing something and saying it. Saying what you believe. The reality is almost everybody says what they believe. If you hang around somebody long enough, they will tell you what they believe by what they say. Now for a few minutes you can hide it while you're with us because we can all talk very spiritually together. You know, because we're in the room and it's all spiritual people. And we can say, glory to God, brother. I'm well, how are you? And we can do all that stuff. But it's what you say all the time that tells what you really believe. That's what you believe. But that's it. why he started. He says, knowing, he said, he said I, we believe, therefore we speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many redound or be superabundant to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction... For that man to call something light affliction is amazing. I mean, have you, have you read about the Apostle Paul? He had all the bones in his feet broken three different times. He was stoned to death one time. He was beaten with, with whips multiple times, 39 lashes, because they didn't want to give him 40 because that was against the law. I mean, and he called that light affliction. And we get mad at God when our car doesn't start. Light affliction is what he called all that. Anyway, that's not my message. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we look at not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, last time we were together, we looked at the story of Jesus going to the pool of Bethesda and healing the lame man that was there. All right. We started talking about who you really are, is what we started talking about. We talked about how that you are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. Okay? There's a triune God. He made you in His image. Part of that image is you are a trinity. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. Your spirit has a soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in a body. When we think about you, we think about your body, but that isn't who you are. You are not your body. Because your body one day will die, and unless we get raptured, and then it'll be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. But you, when you leave this body, you, you, the real you, the spirit, will go, and the soul, the mind, will, emotions, will go also. We talked about last time how that your spirit life doesn't begin after you die. Most people think that, okay, when I'm dead, I'll be, this, this is how people think. When I'm dead, I'll be an angel and play a harp. 
And I hate to burst their bubbles and I can't help but say, no, you will never be an angel. Never been one, never will be one, because all the angels that are created have already been created, and you are a human. You're a level higher than them. Because one of us, a human, is on the throne, and his name is Jesus. All right, so you won't be an angel. You won't play, I don't know, you don't know how to play one here. I I don't think you'll know how to play one there, probably. But uh, that's not, your spirit life doesn't begin after you die. You are a spirit now. And so you should know now about the Spirit and be able to recognize spiritual things. In this passage, Paul tells us how to talk. We already said that. In verse 16, he says, The inward man is renewed day by day. Now, what is he talking about? The inward man is the spirit man. I said this last time. Ladies, the Bible says you have a spirit man. So you have a spirit man. I also said this, men, the Bible says we are the bride of Christ. So it works both ways here. (laughs) But the inward man is the spirit man. That's the part of you that's getting stronger and stronger as you believe the word of God and say it. That's what he's talking about here. As you believe the word and that becomes the way you talk, the word becomes your way of talking then your inner man, your spirit man, gets stronger and stronger. Many people, including in the church, have an inner man that's becoming weaker and weaker because that inner man is malnourished, never gets to eat or drink of the Word. Verse 17 from the Message Bible says, These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming of good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There is a time that we're not going to be here anymore and we will have a lavish celebration in heaven. Small potatoes. That's what it says in the Message Bible. (laughs) Let me read verse 18 again. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now here's my question. This is where we're going to go. How can you look at things that are not seen. How is that possible? If it's not seen, how can we look at it? Good question. Good answer. How can you look at things that are eternal? How do we look at it? How do we see them? I I like this. What it's talking about is looking into the spirit world. How do you look into the spirit world? How do you see in the spirit world? Most Christians believe, well, you know, God is just in control of everything and what He wants to do, He will do, and that I have nothing to do with any of that. Simply not the way the Bible teaches. Okay, Jesus never taught that. The apostles never taught that. Everything that happens is not the will of God. Hezbollah, Cutting off babies' heads is not the will of God. He didn't command it or ordain it. In fact, he forbade it. But they weren't following the will of God. So everything that happens isn't the will of God. But we need to look at things that are not seen. Remember, you're a spirit. As spirit beings, we must be aware of the spirit world. I'm going to to tell you what Jesus said here in a few minutes more. Are you aware of it? 
Are we aware there's a spirit world out here? And are we seeing in the spirit? Do we know that? Most believers don't know anything about the spirit world. I mean, quite honestly, if you had a demonic manifestation in most churches in this town today, people would be running out the doors because they don't know anything about the spirit world. Nothing about it. Okay, here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And you know this based on teaching something different. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, if you read that, that's out of the King James. But if you look at it in the King James, the word gifts here is italicized. And if you know about the Bible, anything in King James that's italicized, it says that word was not in the original language and that the interpreters put it in there to, to clarify its meaning to the readers. In this case, the word doesn't need to go there. Again, it talks about spiritual, what we call spiritual gifts, just shortly thereafter. But it says, literally, it doesn't say gifts. It says, now concerning spirituals or spiritual things, I would not have you ignorant. The scripture here says that we should not be ignorant of spiritual things. Spiritual things. We're supposed to know about them. Last week, we saw that Jesus believed in and could see in the spirit realm. That's what Jesus did. He saw in the spirit. He saw some things. He told us that God is a spirit, that he must be worshipped in spirit. That's what he said to the woman at the well. God is spirit. We have to worship him in spirit. He told us many times in the Gospels that God is our Father. He is our Father. Our Father is a Spirit. Because the Spirit actually fathered all of the natural. Our Father is a Spirit. If, then the Scripture calls Him in Hebrews 12, 9, that God is the Father of Spirits. So if He's the Father of Spirits, and that He's our Father, that means the Spirits that He's the Father of are us. Right? He's the Father. He's our Father. He's us. So we're looking at this. How do we see in the Spirit? How do we look at things that can't be seen? How can we consistently hear the voice of God and see what He's doing? Now, Jesus is the example. Many people think He's only a moral example, but He's a whole lot more than just a moral example. He's our living example. First of all, let's understand there's a huge difference between what's normal and what's natural. Two, two different things. Normal is a behavior or way of living that's been defined by someone as normal. Who gets to make that choice? Who decided what is normal? I mean, I'm hoping that it's not Taylor Swift. I'm hoping somebody different than that <laughs> is going to make the decision as to what is normal. You know, I, I'm, who decides what is normal? You know, have you ever said to somebody, now that's just not normal? How do you know it's not normal? What is normal? Natural is that which exists in the realm of nature. Okay? Most people think that natural is normal. Is it? See, the spiritual is never limited by the natural. We have this idea that natural is normal, but not in the spirit. Because the spirit isn't natural. We who are spirits are not limited by the natural because our Father God, who is a spirit, is not limited by the natural. 
We should never think we're limited. When we, when we learn how to see in the Spirit, we'll understand there's a difference between the natural and the normal. When you look at the Gospels, the book of Acts, you're going to see that natural is not normal for believers. Because Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, the ones in the book of Acts, they were not limited by what was natural. What became normal for them was way different than what was natural. What ought to be normal for you and me should be different than what is natural. Um, what's his name? The Chinese author from decades ago, Watchman Nee, wrote a book one time called The Normal Christian Life. Now, it's a thinker, but I'm telling you, in the normal Christian life, he talked about normal Christianity is filled with miracles filled with supernatural power because natural is not normal. Supernatural is normal for the church. When we're supposed to live in a supernatural way, and I'm going to show you scripture to back that up. When God puts his super on your natural, that's normal according to the Bible. Right? That's what the scripture teaches us. Jesus intends for his power to be manifest in our natural world today. The church has decided that it's okay to replace supernatural with feelings, with emotion, with all the other things, and not supernatural. Listen to these verses of Scripture. This is from Jesus in John chapter 14, beginning of verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, talking to Philip, <clears throat> I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Powerful passage right there. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip, he still didn't get it. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the father. And it sufficeth us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you? And yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me? These words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus didn't do the works. The Father did the works through Jesus. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Here's the kicker here. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Do we believe the words of Jesus? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Do we really believe what he said? Either we do or we don't. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Is that true? Now, I didn't write this. I'm not making it up. I'm just reading it to you. A guy named John wrote it. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. When we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. Jesus manifested the Father in the supernatural signs that Jesus allowed the Father to do through Him. Jesus had to allow the Father to do these things. He had to allow the power to flow through Him. All right? The works that Jesus is talking about are not morality. He's talking about works of power because that's what they're referring to. Works of power that the church seems to have given up on because we can't produce them. 
works of power. Believers, Jesus said, are to do the works. He that, let me read again, he that believeth on me. He didn't say the preachers that believe on me. He didn't say the evangelists that believe on me. He says, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Anybody a believer in here? If we're believers, we should be doing the works that Jesus did. Believers are to do the works. Not just the preachers or anointed apostles, or even especially gifted people or theologians. Jesus said that we're to do the works. How did Jesus do the works? He said in John 6.33, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. So Jesus was in tune with the Spirit. The words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. Jesus' words were Spirit and life because the Spirit quickeneth or the, gives life or, 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 or produces. He couldn't have been doing anything He did in the power of His flesh and when we operate in the flesh, we can't do anything like what we're talking about. We can't operate in the flesh. John chapter 5. Jesus it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He seeth the Father do. What He sees the Father do. The Son can't do except what He sees the Father. For what things soever, do, he, whatever He doeth, these things doth the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son, the Son... And shows him all things that himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. This was Jesus' response in response to the religious people questioned him about healing on the Sabbath, specifically healing the lame man by the pool of Bethesda. Jesus saw the Father heal the man. Actually, Jesus saw the Father healing through him this man. And so Jesus went to a pool with lots of sick people, went to one guy because he saw it already in the Spirit. Saw it. And so he saw it, he went, and when he did what he saw the Father do, he engaged the man and power came and it healed him. Jesus told the same religious people later in the same chapters, he said, you are of your father the devil. <laughs> wow, I've never heard that in church before. Where a pastor said, you are of your father the devil. <laughs> And the lust of your father you will do. Everyone will do what they see their father doing. Everyone, some will see the living father, some will see the dead father. Jesus said he did works by seeing in the spirit. We must learn to see and hear in the spirit if we're going to do greater works like Jesus. We're going to have to do them the way Jesus did them. All right. He didn't do them as God, and we find that in Philippians chapter 2, Acts chapter 10. He was a man filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed with power, and that's how he did the, the works that he did. He never did something and turned and said to the disciples, uh, y'all can't do this. I'm, I'm Jesus and the Son of God, so don't even try this. No. When he calmed the storm, they were amazed. He looked at them and said, where is your faith? In other words, y'all should have done this without me. Because that's what he expected to happen. Jesus, Jesus did them as a man. But it takes more than just faith here. It's going to take seeing something. When you think about Jesus healing this man at the pool of Bethesda. He saw his father doing it. That's why he did it. Why didn't he heal everybody? Did he lack the faith 
to do that? My answer is no. He didn't like any faith, but he saw the Father heal one man. And that's what he went to do. Have you ever prayed for somebody that didn't get healed? You wonder why it didn't work? Maybe you forgot to see if the Father was there. Now, I understand. Believers lay hands on the sick and they recover. I get it. They're a lot. I'd rather try on a bunch of people that doesn't work and finally get to the one that does than not try at all. But Jesus saw the Father. He knew exactly what to do. He didn't have to guess. When Peter and John got the lame man healed at the beautiful gate. Remember that story? Silver and gold have I none, but such have I given to thee. It was at the hour of prayer. They went to the temple every day at the hour of prayer to pray. The scripture says they laid that lame man there every day. Why wasn't he already healed? Why didn't Jesus heal him while he was alive? Well, before he was resurrected. Why, why hadn't it already happened? Did they not have enough faith? Why wouldn't it have happened? What about the Apostle Paul? Remember the demonized girl followed him around day after day after day and it said he was grieved because she kept saying, these men are from the Most High God and doing all that stuff. And she, the Bible says she was cast. He, he, after many days that finally Paul cast out the devil. Why did he wait many days? Why didn't he just cast it out the first day when it started bothering him? Did he not have faith on the first day? Couldn't he have done it then? And then when he's in the storm, the Bible says he was in a storm at sea for many days. After many days, he finally got up and told them not to be afraid, told them to eat something, told them to lose the ship but not their lives. Why didn't he on the first day stand up and say, peace, be still? Why didn't he do that? Did he not have enough faith? I mean, is that it? See, the answer is not having more faith. It lies in seeing what the Father is doing. And that is a real important lesson for us to learn because we have to learn to see in the Spirit. What is the Father doing? I mean, Jesus didn't see the Jesus didn't see the Father healing all those people, just that one. So he went and did that job and left. I mean, Peter and John went every day. Finally, one day they had to see something in the Spirit that caused him to stop and say, Look on us. And the man got healed. Paul was grieved by the demon every day, but finally he saw something in the spirit. And in the spirit, he had to see that woman getting freed of that demon spirit, and then he cast it out of her because he saw it. The same is true of the storm. He had to see something. The Lord came and spoke to him and told him what to do. Remember, he said, Paul, you're not going to die. You're going to Rome. And all those that sail with you. I love that story because they thought he was sailing with them. But they were sailing with him. They were sailing with Paul. (laughs) But we have to learn how to see and hear in the Spirit. Jesus said, if a man have ears to hear, let him hear. Not everybody can hear. Not everyone can see. There are conditions that must be met. I've got just a few more minutes here. So how can we see and hear? How can we do it? First of all, we must stay with the Word of God until we get revelation. 
It is not enough just to have head knowledge of the word. We must have revelation of it. Have you ever read the parable of the sower? In the parable of the sower, when he sows the seed by the wayside, the bird comes and devours it. Why was the bird able to devour it? Why was the devil able to take the seed? It says because he understands it not. The devil will steal every bit of the word you don't understand unless you stay with it till you get the revelation. All that parable of the sower is about revelation, about staying with the word, not letting, not letting the, 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 the shallowness of my soul, not letting that happen to me that I get, get stolen, not letting the cares of this life steal the seed from me, but staying with it until my heart is good soil. And it's buried deep and it produces what God said. It's having a revelation of the word. How do I get that? You stay with it. You mutter it. You utter it. You speak it over and over. That's called meditation. You stay with the word and you stay with the word. You stay with the word. I mean, the word must be deeply planted. James 1 speaks of the engrafted word that is able. The word is able. It will produce. Have you ever been listening to a sermon or reading a verse and all of a sudden, a light bulb comes on kind of and, and all of a sudden and you say oh I see that now you just saw you saw in the spirit you saw something more than something mental I mean it, spiritual vision occurs at the moment of revelation staying with it staying with it staying with it doesn't come by casual reading it comes through meditation when you stay with the word long enough faith rises as faith rises, then you will say it out loud over and over. When you say it, the more you say it, the more you hear it, the more you hear it, the more the faith is. And I mean, then you know it. You have you you got you got to have revelation of the scripture, not just in your thinker, but in your knower, which is your spirit, deep down inside of you. All right, you have to have that. Now, two more things, and I'll be I'll be done. Next thing about seeing is you must. I want you to think about this. Matthew eight five five eight. Jesus said, "Blessed." are the pure in heart for what they shall see God the pure in heart pure in heart will see God pure means clean one translation says blessed are those who are clear and clean in their thoughts and emotions for they shall gaze with wide open eyes at something remarkable at God the pure in heart see God Hebrews twelve fourteen says follow peace with all men and holiness talking about holiness now without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness. The word holiness means purity. Pure in heart. Purity. When we have a pure heart, we can gaze with wide open eyes at something remarkable that is God. Purity of heart gives vision. And we need to understand that. It gives us vision. When we Sometimes we allow little sins over and over repeated, you know, and we sin, we repent, we sin, we repent. We, and we think, well, nothing's going to come of that, you know. When, that, when, that's, when that's your way of life, it's going to be hard to see in the Spirit. Because pure in heart, when we're pure in heart, we're going to see. Sin will always dull vision in the Spirit. I mean, we need to make sure that we have a clean heart. Sin causes blurred vision of what the Father is doing. Now, understand, when we repent, He forgives. It doesn't affect what He does. It affects how we see. We need, to, we need to have pure hearts. If we want to have the kind of miracles Jesus had, we have to learn to live by faith in the victory that's been procured for us over sin. Well, you know, we're just sinful. We're just going to sin. That's just what we're going to do. We're just going to sin. 
Jesus said, or John said in 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith not only allows us to get things we're believing for, it gives us victory over sin. Listen to what Romans 4, 6.14 says. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. This isn't talking about going to heaven. This whole passage is not talking about heaven. It's talking about living a life here. It's talking about having a different life here. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You ought to say out loud every day, sin will not have dominion dominion over me that's what the word promises us titus 2 11 and 12 for the grace of god that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world grace teaches us to live holy godly lives teaches us to live in a pure manner we're saved by grace through faith so we can live for God so we can see Him. We are spirit beings. We have the right and the obligation to see in the Spirit and do what we're supposed to do. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, tonight, I pray and believe that You give us revelation from what was just taught about seeing the unseen. Teach us, Lord, how to see You in our spirit, in the inner man, let us see what you are doing. Lord, show us that you've already been showing us. You've already been showing us yourself. You've already been showing us things that we're supposed to be doing. And so, Father, tonight, we believe that you've ordained us to see in the spirit to accomplish things for you that we've never even dreamed of so far because I had not seen or heard or it's even revealed in the heart of man the things you prepared for those that love you. And we believe we have them. They've been revealed to us by the Spirit, according to your word. Lord, we thank you for it tonight. We honor you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.